previously on The Pagecast. First, a wild crow. Then, two cursing leprechauns. And worlds away but close on a hero's heels, a mysterious magician plotting revenge. How in the world will Maxime and the rabbit ever make their way back to good old Mousewood? Now is the time to find out. Welcome to the Night of the Rabbit. The Pagecast. Book 1. The Rabbit's Apprentice. Episode 9. In which nothing is impossible. crow dived towards Maxime and the leprechauns. The magician's apprentice closed his eyes. He had cast the spell that brought them to this world without his wand. He knew he could do it again. In his mind, he pictured a gust of wind blowing the crow back. Breath of animals, he whispered. When Maxime opened his eyes, a small glowing sigil was hanging in the air between himself and the crow. Three rushing lines symbolizing a strong wind. It's too small, Maxime thought. But thunder rolled in the distance. A moment later, a huge gust of wind blew in from further inland. The leaves of the portal tree rustled. Then Maxime found himself nearly blown off his feet. Thrown back in its determined descent, the crow flapped wildly, struggling to right itself in the unexpected gale. But the wind won out, carrying the bird high up into the sky, past the ruined tower and out over the roaring sea. Good work, shouted the rabbit, straining to make himself heard over the howling wind. His long white ears lying flat against the skull, there was a note of sadness in his gaze as he followed the crow's arc through the sky. It's time we brought her home. Huh, Maxime replied. You mean the crow? The Marquis nodded. After everything she's done, exclaimed Maxime. She's sick, and there's something else there too, the magician explained. Something hidden. I felt it when I looked her in the eye, as if someone somewhere 
behind those fevered, muddled thoughts, was watching us, you and me. Maxime felt the hairs rise on the back of his neck. Was that the cold wind or the rabbit's words? He wished he hadn't sacrificed his coat in the struggle with the crow. The rabbit turned to look out over the coast. At that same moment, the sun broke through the grey clouds, causing the raindrops to shimmer like diamonds. The Marquis watched as the crow disappeared further into the distance, then uttered a whisper. This isn't your world. Come home. He lifted a paw, half closed, and blew into it. When he opened it, three glowing blue hummingbirds floated out, small, even by this world's standards. They buzzed around the magician's pink nose and white whiskers, before settling on his shoulder, their gaze flitting about attentively. He whispered something to them that Maxime couldn't hear. The hummingbirds shimmered briefly, then vanished before reappearing above the Marquis's head and zipping out over the waves to meet the crow. It only took a moment for the larger bird to spot them and take up pursuit. The Marquis pointed at the portal tree and his blue hummingbirds dived down towards it. The crow followed behind with a befuddled screech. The Marquis made a subtle gesture with his paw and the gleaming tree portal opened again. The rabbit was a master of his craft and had long since outgrown the need for once sigils and magical aids. Magic, as he had once said to Maxime, was the art of giving form to the formless. Secret signs and formulas were simply a means of learning this art and channeling one's thoughts. But magic itself was much more than that. Just as the world was more than the words, language and numbers that described it. Just as music was more than the notes on a page. Even at this distance, Maxime could feel the pulsing warmth of the portal on his cheeks as the illusory hummingbirds and lamenting crow plunged into its golden light. Back to Mousewood before that bird causes any more trouble, the Marquis called. That's right, be gone with you. Anya Bramble's voice rang out through the damp air, though Maxime still couldn't see her. A curse on you both, you sweet tea drinkers! May your noses turn to beetroots! Aye, a curse on you! called the gruffer tones of Calamothistle, equally disembodied. May you trip and stumble for forever and a day. That's not good, 
Maxim thought to himself. He knew all too well that curses were not to be trifled with. Go ahead, I'll handle this, he shouted to the rabbit. The Marquis nodded, then jumped into the portal. Maxim reached into the pocket of his trousers and pulled out the nut cookie Jonathan Squirrel had given him back in Mousewood. He was relieved to find it had survived the journey intact. Maxim broke the cookie into two halves and held them out towards the telltale shimmer in the air, where the leprechaun still hid behind the invisibility spell. We're sorry to have caused you bother and put you in danger. Would you perhaps be so kind as to take back your curses? That's bribery! cried the scolding tones of Calamothistle. Then the first half of the cookie disappeared. Oh, corruption! Anya O'Bramble remonstrated before the second half of the cookie vanished as well. With that, Maxim knew, the leprechauns had revoked their curses. And if the satisfied munching he could hear was anything to go by, they approved of Jonathan's baking too. The boy picked up his sodden, torn-up coat from where it had landed in the grass. It might have only been a battered old army coat, and now not much more than a filthy heap of cloth. But leaving it here would be akin to leaving behind a part of his own heart. He had found it while living on the street, after he had lost his parents, and it had kept him warm through countless cold and unending nights. Maxim tucked the wet bundle under his arm and hurried back to the portal tree. Behind him, a rainbow stretched across the sky. But he didn't notice. He had already disappeared through the portal. There you are! Hannah called out as Aunt Ambrosia rushed towards her across Mousewood's town square, her hair in disarray and her thoughts even more so. Hannah's friend, Jonathan Squirrel, offered Ambrosia a polite nod. He would have said hello, but his mouth was still full of cookies. Have you heard? Hannah asked. Apparently a crow went mad and carried some poor mouse off into the air. Ambrosia set down her duffel bag and considered for a moment how best to answer her niece's question. Strictly speaking, she hadn't actually heard anything about the incident. But she was still too dazed from the whole episode to follow her train of thought to the end. Instead, she simply puffed out her cheeks and said, Well, something tucked at the leg of her trousers. She looked down to see little Uli 
gazing up at her, holding her head in his paw. He looked concerned, and perhaps a little offended. Auntie, where did you disappear to all of a sudden? Don't you like chamomile? No, of course I do, Ambrosia replied. Sorry, I... Uh... She attempted to explain as she set her hat back on her head. I bumped into an old friend. Jonathan held out his bowl of cookies. First to Ambrosia, who declined politely, and then to a nearby wood dwarf, who was stroking his beard nervously. Like almost everyone else, the dwarf was staring up at the top of the tree, in whose trunk the portal had opened, and into which the rabbit, the crow, and the human boy had all disappeared. He didn't even notice Jonathan's offering. Cookie? the young squirrel asked. The dwarf glowered back at him. <laughs> he grumbled, before snatching a cookie anyway and throwing it in his mouth. Oh boy, look up there! called out a lizard in a thick, woolly jumper. Ambrosia looked up into the treetops above the town hall. The glowing portal in the bark of the tree had opened up again. For a moment, Ambrosia thought she saw three shimmering blue hummingbirds dart out of it before evaporating into puffs of azure smoke. Then the giant crow glided out of the glowing opening in the bark, casting its shadow over the animals below. Look out! Ambrosia shouted, pulling the old salamander's walking stick out of her duffel bag and placing herself in front of Hannah and her friends. Not so fast! called a voice from up above. With a great leap, the Marquis sprang out of the portal and onto the crow's back again. Restored to a much greater size than the Marquis himself, now that they were back in its home world, the crow flapped about in the air. But it was weak now, and could barely fight back as the rabbit strove to bring it under control. Gently, the magician brushed a paw over the bird's forehead. Calm now, he muttered gently. The crow gave out one last call of protest and blinked in confusion. Then the magician tucked on the bird's neck feathers, bringing it in to land in the middle of the crowd in Mousewood's town square. The beats of its wings blew over the tables and chairs outside the tree trunk cafe, and cakes and casseroles gathered for the treetop festival crashed to the ground. Up there! Hannah called out. The magician's apprentice! Ambrosia looked up just in time to see a figure jump out from the portal and land awkwardly on a branch as the glowing vortex closed behind him in a flurry of sparks. A human! she gasped. Ambrosia, of course, had missed the boy's struggle with the crow. Just like he was now, she had been busy trying to climb down from the top of the tree and to unravel her tangled thoughts after seeing the Marquis again. It had all happened 
so quickly. He had returned her rainbow quartz to her, before seconds later leaping from the high branches onto the crow's back. The boys called Maxime, Hannah shouted. Lovely fellow, Jonathan added. For a moment Maxime was balanced on the branch, then he slipped. Don't fall, Ambrosia shouted, but at the last moment the boy managed to grab onto a leaf. Regaining his composure, he gave the crowd below a nervous wave. I think he's got it under control now, said Hannah. Mm-hmm, a true tree walker, Jonathan added. So what exactly is a tree walker? asked Uli. And, and who, who's that rabbit again? Oh, Uli, Hannah sighed. But I'm only nine, Uli protested. You can't expect me to know everything. Whoa there, shouted the Marquis de Houteau. The crow was trying to shake him off. But now they had landed, its movements were getting more sluggish. The rabbit whispered something in its ear, and the crow blinked. Then, exhausted, it flopped to the ground and began to snore loudly. Green slime started to leak out of its beak and nostrils. Maxime, quickly! The monkey shouted, jumping off the bird's back. The boy scrabbled over the last few meters of roots and branches until he was finally out of the portal tree and on solid ground again. The rabbit threw him a small bottle. Letting the damp remains of his coat fall to the ground, Maxime reached out a hand and caught the glass vessel. Carefully, he removed the cork. Ambrosia's eyes widened. The crow was being sucked into the bottle. The bird that had been carrying her through the air just a few minutes earlier was now no larger than a housefly and sleeping at the bottom of the bottle. Maxime replaced the cork. That's impossible! cried a gobsmacked Hannah Mouse. May I? Maxime asked the Marquis, a roguish glint in his eye. The rabbit laughed. You more than earned it, he replied. Maxime turned to the animals, raised the bottle in the air, removed his top hat and took a deep bow. Nothing is impossible, he declared. The creatures of Mousewood let out a great cheer, whooping and gathering all about the two magicians. In keeping with the tradition of the tree walkers, I present to you my apprentice, the Marquis declared in a grand tone. His name is Maxim Zarov. I ask you to support him so that he may complete his training and become a tree walker 
in these very woods. To Maxim, the animals called out. To the tree walkers. Ambrosia too joined the celebrations. Then it dawned on her why she had been hoping to see the Marquis again in Mousewood after all these years. When the magician had saved her from plummeting to the ground earlier, she had found herself unable to utter a single word to him. But now she could wait no longer. Determined, she squeezed her way through the crowd of excited animals surrounding the two tree walkers. Jostling against the young rat in dungarees, she turned around to apologize. But before she could say anything, she had bumped into someone else. Sorry she said, turning her gaze forward again. In front of her stood a figure in a red coat, a blue-gray waistcoat and a yellow cravat. Hesitantly, Ambrosia raised her head. Two large red eyes met hers and the Marquis blinked at her in surprise. At the end of the path to the old tree Wait the most wondrous of listening to The Night of the Rabbit, The Pagecast. The Pagecast was written and narrated by me, Matt Kemke. Special thanks to Ian Farrell for the English translation, to Thilo Alpermann for our music, to Aljoscha Jelinek, Corinna Ertl and Sebastian Kemke for providing invaluable feedback, and to Corinna Ertl for performing our Pagecast theme song. Also, special thanks to Olga Azu Andrienko and Simone Schmöl Grünewald for our main cover artwork. The Night of the Rabbit is an adventure game I wrote a long time ago and which you can play right now. Just follow the link in the show notes. But 
you don't need to know the game to listen to this podcast, which expands the story from the game. The episodes of this podcast are chapters from the book I'm currently writing in my spare time. If you want to support the podcast and the novel, you can do that. You will find the links in the show notes. In two weeks' time, the podcast returns with the season one finale, with episode 10, in which we learn of things to come.